Happy belated independence to everyone. I see we are, so many of us still uh, celebrating. It's making it an independence weekend. 57 years and so many opportunities for us to grow as a country. It's great to be together this morning. It is the 1st of September and school starts back tomorrow. I don't know if that's good news or bad news for you. But it's reality. So we have to deal with it. Tomorrow is the 2nd of September. I wish um, happy early birthday to Joseph Budusing. Celebrating his birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday to you, my brother. All right. Happy 16th. You can get your driver's license in one year. I always love the first of any month. Uh, not only because my birthday is the first of a month, but there's just op the opportunity to, to renew and to start fresh. And maybe just based on the year that you've had, you're happy for September the 1st because you can think about closing the year in a strong way. And if you have had a great year, you can continue to build on it. I do want to take the opportunity just to, I know it, it, it is, it is a, a, a packed couple of months coming up, um, I do want to take the opportunity now just before getting into the message to give us some details about module 8 of the Caribbean School of Ministry. Alright, um, it is our final module. Alright, can you believe that five years have already passed since we started in July 2014? Uh, this particular module is entitled Spiritual Disciplines. I'm asking the tech crew to uh, guide us along. It's Spiritual Disciplines, Singleness and Family Life. Uh, our guest speakers coming in, um, and I'm privileged to work alongside them, Dave and Angela Hooper. They serve as evangelist and women's ministry leader in the Austin Church in uh, Texas. Uh, they'll be joining us. And so, the Friday evening, and remember, we always have four different segments. Uh, if you are able to come for the entire weekend, that is 100 US, or the equivalent TT. If you're only able to come to one of the sessions, it's 25 US. So the first session on Friday, the 4th of October, that's an introduction to spiritual formation. And here Dave will be talking about what's the role of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit in you growing and maturing spiritually. That's going to be an exciting class. The Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., we're talking about the use of scripture in the spiritual disciplines. We're going to be talking about things like prayer, fasting, service, worship, all right, our fellowship and just how the Bible plays a role in helping us to grow in the practice of these disciplines. Um, in addition to that, we'll be talking about growth and renewal in the spiritual journey. And I think God is just so faithful because this really builds a lot on what um, Alan and they have been doing in Disciples in Motion and the Grief Journey. It's obviously the Spirit of God uh, just bringing everything together. Saturday afternoon, spiritual types and the disciplines. This is going to be a fun class. Because we will get a better understanding as to why we have a certain preference when it comes to worship. Some of us love to sing. Some of us love to raise our hands. Some of us love to be outdoors. Some of us like to be inside. There's actually, you know, some kind of spiritual reason for the reason why we tend to have a particular leaning when it comes to our walk with God. So that's going to be a little nice analysis of spiritual types and our preferences for certain disciplines. And then I'm really looking forward to the class on biblical singleness. All right? Um, and this is not a class for singles. It is a class about being single. So it's, it's for everyone. And I think it's going to be really eye-opening when we see what the Bible has to teach 
about the status of singleness, I think we have a mind change to make. When we use things like, you know, we, well, they're going to the land of the overprivileged and stuff like that, I think there's a lot of rethinking that we will get when we look at this particular Bible study. Sunday after church, uh, we will have a, a marriage class uh, called the Life Together, and then Raising Children Without Losing Your Mind. <laughs> All right, um, that's the title of uh, the parenting class, and that is really going to be another fun time. So. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I was privileged to, 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 to teach along with Dave and, and Angela in Jamaica, and they are looking forward. Their tickets are already booked. They're looking forward to being with us in Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, so after church today, you can uh, register, continue with uh, my incredible wife, uh, Michelle, and also with Devon Kuo, is that, yes? And also with Devon Kuo, you can register with both of them. Amen? So let's look forward to that, and would appreciate your prayers as we prepare for module number eight. As we say prayer, let's say a prayer this time as we get into our message. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the gift of life. Um, maybe more than no other year, we're really appreciating that life is a gift. And we don't want to take being here for granted. Uh, we ask God that you would fill us with a sense of gratitude, um, that we get to want to be alive, we get to come together to worship and to really think about walking with you, uh, to think about learning about Jesus, to think about studying your word and applying its principles. Um, I consider it a privilege to be able to share your word this morning and I ask that you help me to be faithful, bold, courageous, confident, spirit-led, and humble. I pray that together our Bible study will enrich us and cause us to draw closer to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today we continue on our theme of increase. And uh, again, for those who might be here for the first time or you know, may not have been, or maybe just a couple of times, the year 2019, our 30th anniversary, we have been focused on the triple pillar of mission, motion, and maturity. And in this part of the year, we've been talking about that middle pillar motion, really emphasizing spiritual growth, in particular personal spiritual growth. And we've been spending a number of weeks looking at growth um, in various areas, all right, which we can, and, and I will share the passage shortly. Um, what's the definition of increase, all right? To grow, to expand, to become great. I've shared this before when last I taught in it to sort, to improve, to strengthen. So this whole idea of us increasing in various qualities, it's all about becoming greater. It's becoming better. It's about soaring like eagles. It's about improving, not staying stagnant. It's about strengthening ourselves. And so this idea of increasing is an exciting one because it's calling us higher and gives us the opportunity to be more effective. The theme increase comes from 2 Peter chapter 1. You can follow along on the slides or in your Bibles. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. We started off with the foundation of faith. And we spent the last few weeks talking about goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance. And today we talk about godliness. Over the next couple of weeks, we will end with mutual affection or brotherly kindness. And we will end, close off with love. Today our focus is on godliness. Remember in verse 8 Peter says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive 
in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus wants us to have productive, fruitful lives. And part of that journey is getting better and growing in these various qualities. And today, we talk about godliness. It's a theme that really transcends, transcends both the Old and the New Testament. Paul said to Timothy in one of the pastoral epistles in chapter 6, in verse 6, and the immediate context of chapter 6, he was talking about the fact that there was some, um, there was some false teaching going on, and he made the point that re some religious leaders actually saw godliness as a means to make money. That was something that happened in the first century. Does it happen today? Yes, it does. Somehow people still feel that religion is a way to make money. That's not the goal of the spiritual journey. It's about living for God and pleasing Jesus Christ. And so Peter gives, uh, Paul, sorry, in speaking to Timothy, who is leading the church in Ephesus, he says, but godliness with contentment is a great gain. You see these two? Godliness and contentment. He says this is valuable. There's a lot to gain if you can hold on to these two principles. Godliness and contentment. In verse 7 he says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Are you challenged, guys, in our materialistic Trinidad and Tobago? When Paul says to Timothy, then and it's relevant now, be content. If you have food and clothing, be content with that. And place emphasis on godliness. At one of the funerals I attended recently, I'd mentioned the fact that for many of us in church, for four straight weeks, we went to funerals. There's a fifth one coming up. We mourn together and share Carleen's pain as our year of challenge continues. And I appreciate the perspective that Nino gave us during the communion of how we need to view various challenges. I also really, again, want to thank the Cunninghams just for their forethought and, you know, pulling together a service like last week to really help us to understand that we need to grieve and we need to process. And I think as a church, we're all still processing. You know, we're still processing. This is going to, this is going to take a while. But, you know, one of the things that we didn't see at the funerals was any furniture, suitcase or clothes, or anything like that next to the caskets. You with me? Absolutely nothing like that. And that reality does not change. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. That needs to give us some perspective on our priority in life. And that passage that Nino shared in verse 23 of Matthew 16 where Jesus challenged Peter. He said you don't have the concerns of God but human concerns. I think it's relevant. We need to have the priorities of God in our minds. What does God value? You see, if it's important to God, then it's important to me. And Paul says here, godliness with contentment is a great gain. Peter said something similar in 2 Peter 3. I alluded to this back in April very quickly. Do not forget this one thing. And again, you can follow on the slides. Dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. 
You see, time and time systems, God is on a completely different plane. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise because there was a teaching going on there that, boy, when we hear that Jesus coming back, why are you taking so long? The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Check what Peter says. He's close to his dying bed. He says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. He says, this world is going to be destroyed and everything in it. So with that reality in mind, how should you live? Holy and godly. So when you think about Paul's teaching, you think about Peter's teaching. There's a very clear message. Value your character more than your possessions. Brothers and sisters and friends, we must value our character more than our possessions. What kind of person am I becoming in this life? Am I a godly man or a godly woman? Do I have a godly marriage? Am I trying to raise godly children? When I speak, is my speech godly speech? When I'm at work, is my conduct godly conduct? We must place more value on our character than our possessions. And we have to embrace this and meditate on this and focus on it. Because when we die, that is what is going to count. The content of my character. Was I godly in this life? You all know what Hebrews says. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. When we are in the casket... Only thing that is going to matter was I godly? Did I leave to please God? Not the size of my bank account, not my even my legacy. Was I godly? Turn with me to Psalm 49. David didn't write this psalm. It's the sons of Korah. And Psalm 49 really reads a lot like the wisdom literature you'd find in the Proverbs. While I'm going to read the entire psalm, I'm not going to be spending time going through verse by verse, but highlighting particular things. Psalm 49 and verse 1. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen. All who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With the harp, I will expound my riddle. So he's, he's kind of set the tone for what he's about to share. Listen to the psalmist's message. Why should I fear when evil days come? When wicked deceivers surround me, 
Those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches. No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. You know, the psalmist is saying here, you know, when somebody dies, not one of us could bring them back to life, you know. It's the reality of death. We can't exchange. We, we've, we've mourned the passing of a lot of close people this year. And there's nothing we can do. Nothing we can do to give back in exchange for that life. It's a life that's gone. And while we grieve and while we mourn, we can't bring the person back. We can't do it. Verse 10. For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Everybody dies. Wise, foolish, rich, poor. If you happen to have money when you die, guess what? Somebody else going and get it. Not going with you. And still somehow we get focused on our possessions more than our character. And we work harder at work than we do on becoming more godly. Somehow, somehow, some of us in our good hearts, we know we're distracted. We know we attend church, but, but we're not really zealous for God and for the things of God. It's not because your heart is bad. You're distracted. You're distracted with life. And you're worried in the way that Jesus in Matthew 6 says, don't worry, seek the kingdom first. And guess what? You will have the basics, food and clothing. Consistent message, if you have food and clothing, you'll be content with that focus on righteousness and godliness. People die, they leave their wealth to others. Verse 11, their tombs will be their houses forever. Their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. You could be so influential, you have property, streets, and buildings named after you. When you die, it stays. It wouldn't count if you haven't been living in a godly way. Verse 12. People, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd. But the upright will prevail over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave far from their princely mansions. But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases. If somebody right now is driving a PDX and you can't afford it, it's okay, stay calm. Because you dare and your little, you know, PPA, you're yeah, chugging along right in the road at 50 miles an hour and it's like the PDX passing or your PC. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, God, I'm struggling. I want this PDX. I'm a neighbor. I have one. And this one I have one. It's okay. If you don't have the new car and you don't have the status to live with the Joneses who themselves be broke and be borrowing plenty of money. All you know the Joneses is go. 
they cannot make you have feel boy they have it all together and they're boring boring and they're stacking up debt just to have an image don't be fooled by it don't be fooled by it do not be overawed verse 16 says when others grow rich when the splendor of their houses increase don't go and you know brock your, your, your bank christmas time trying to you know pretend boy i, I could give away boy look if you had to buy a little card and send a little e-card for free and say boy merry christmas you can i can't get you no chocolate this year so be it don't put that pressure on yourself to look a particular way verse 17 for they will take nothing with them when they die their splendor will not descend with them Though while they live, they count themselves blessed, and people praise you when you prosper, they will join those who have gone before them, who will never rise, never again see the light of life. And look how the psalm ends. People who have wealth but lack understanding are like the beasts that perish. And it reads like the Proverbs. Because these, these principles of knowledge wisdom understanding they go together and the psalmist is saying understanding knowledge wisdom discretion and these these are the foundations for a relationship with god that counts more than your possessions so you may not even be trying to get rich but your richness to god has suffered because you're trying to make ends meet and you've stopped trusting him So you used to be someone who would faithfully come to every meeting of the body. Now you only come on Sundays. You used to be someone who was devoted to your family group and serving. But now, boy, boy I, I, I got to take care of life. So I would still show up on Sunday, but I will just not be as committed as I used to be. And I think your heart is still good, you know, but you're distracted. And you're lacking trust and faith in God. We have to take Jesus at his word when he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and these things will be given. Why are you so worried about your life? Why are you so worried? Some of us have been promising to make changes between us and God and been putting it off because of life. And we're telling ourselves we have tomorrow. I've shared with many people that last month was the very first time in my life that I experienced I see you today in good health and tomorrow you're dead. And many of us know who I'm talking about. I'm still processing the death of someone who was a roommate someone who was in my bridal party and were very, very close. Still processing it. I, I think I'm in some denial, to be honest with you. I'm still looking at the picture of his body in the casket and I'm telling myself, he's just sleeping. The shock of being with somebody having a meal together and talking one day and 24 hours later you get a call that they're dead 
never experienced it. Some of you have. They see going through that for their first time, it's not nice. And it's not any of our place to speculate on where people go in. That is God's call. And I was talking to our brother during the week, boy, we were saying, you know what? We just have to make sure we live in right. Because God is going to determine where people go. But for me who's still alive, I had to use this as a wake-up call partner. What has God been saying to us in 2019, church? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm trying to listen to his voice. Because what Proverbs 11 says, wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. See, when it's time to go before God, our possessions aren't going to help. Have we been pursuing righteousness? I asked us some questions here, guys. In 2019, as a church, we've seen a lot of death, yeah? We're learning how to process our grief. Some deaths we expected. Others have been sudden, tragic, and very painful. And I'm asking us, is God saying something to us as a church? Is he saying something to us as a country, as individuals? Here's one of the things we don't want to do. We don't want to let the freshness of death wear off and get us complacent spiritually. And somebody was saying this morning, you know, in Ecclesiastes it talks about it's better to be in the house of mourning. And sometimes, but what was Kohelet saying there, boy? That's a sound kind of mourning. Sounds kind of morbid, sorry. But this is helping me to understand his point. We tend to think about spiritual things and about heaven and about our lives more at funerals. Not at birthday parties. We don't stop and reflect, bro, happy birthday, boy. That cake tastes a nice boy. Boy, how are you doing spiritually? No, we're not. No, we just kind of we're celebrating and it's, you know. But when you're at a funeral, there's something about, well, how am I doing? How am I living? So it's amazing how, you know, God gets us to really think about our lives during death. As I start moving towards the close, I just recount quickly two situations that happen. One in the Old, one in the New Testament. Second Samuel 6. You all ever heard about Uzzah before? The temple, the ark is being brought into Jerusalem. You read books like Exodus, you read books like Numbers, and they have very, very clear instructions about what the, the, um, the procedures are like for the transportation of the ark. In verse 5, again, you can follow on screen. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah, and to this day that place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? Uzzah died suddenly. And it produced fear in David. In Acts chapter 5, we know this passage. In verse 1, now a man named Ananias. You all remember this? 
together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge. He kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear sees all who had heard what had happened. Three hours later, scenario repeats itself with Sapphira. She doesn't come clean. What does it say in verse 11? After she died, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. See, when people die suddenly, one of the emotions that is produced in us is fear of God. Guys, let's be honest. Haven't we felt a little fearful this year? Haven't we gone to some funerals this year and thought, I wasn't expecting this. And you know, maybe becoming fearful of God is not necessarily a bad thing. And I don't think God wants us to live walking around wondering, boy, is he going to strike me down? But sometimes there's room to stop and think, boy, God is holy and majestic. I better humble myself before him. Because he will definitely get my attention one way or another. And here's why I conclude. In Proverbs 9, in verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many. And years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. I really want to put to us that Godly living starts with a fear of God. It's a starting point. To become godly people, it means getting to know God and growing in our wisdom, knowledge, understanding, discretion, prudence that comes from his word. And there's nothing like the word of God to point us in the right direction. Don't procrastinate with your study of the Bible, whether on your own or whether you've been given an invitation by the person who reached out to you and said, let's get together for a Bible study. Don't put it off. Because it's not meant to be an intellectual exercise. It's meant to transform your heart and your life. But this is how we're going to get to understand the Holy One. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of righteousness. It's the beginning of godly living, fearing God. Falling in love with him again. Submitting ourselves to his, his word and its principles. And like Ezra in Ezra chapter 7, we study it, we obey it, and we teach it to others. Godly living starts with the fear of God. For whatever reason God decided, in your 30th year, not only will you celebrate what I've done, but I'm also going to wake you up to the reality of my existence. And I believe the year that we've had 
some opportunity. Some of you guys are thinking about reaching out to people. Especially some of those who left the church. Do it. The Spirit has been prompting you, give this person a call. Do it. Don't put it off. Because I'll tell you this. One of the people that died this year, one of the last conversations that I was able to have was, how are you doing spiritually? I wouldn't tell you what the answer was. But I remember saying to myself, I'm glad I had the conversation before they died. I don't know who's next. Neither do you. So don't tell yourself you have time. Don't put off the phone call. Make it. Reach out. Let us help our country to fear God again. Let us pursue godliness with contentment because it's great gain. I'm going to ask Ronnie to come and close us in prayer. Let us pray for the message. O merciful, gracious, and powerful God, we recognize your grace, we recognize your power, we recognize your love, we recognize your mercies, O Lord God. Dear God, we come to you today, O God, to give you adoration, O Lord, and to ask you, O God, to increase our faith, increase our faithfulness, increase our spirituality as we grow as a church. Muslim Father God, we know that we are absent in some areas. We know that there are many areas in our lives where we are weak, Father God. We recognize we have our challenges, dear Lord God. But if and only if we can depend on you, God, then you can strengthen us in these areas. Gracious God, I come before you humble this morning. Father God, speaking for myself and for many others to say that, Lord God, we are willing to grow in these areas. We look forward for your guidance, O oh God. We look forward to your grace, Father God, and for you strengthening us. We thank you, God, for your love your continuous mercies, your continuous blessings, and for all that you have given to us. We are grateful, dear Lord God, to be here this morning. And we all look forward to being here next week. But none of us knows what your plans are. So because of that, dear Lord God, we humbly place our lives in your hands. We humbly place all of our existence to you, O oh God. We ask you, O oh God, to guide us, to take us to our homes, dear Lord God, to take us to our jobs and our des various destinations come this week here that school is opening, dear Lord God, to deal with the challenges, dear Lord God, to deal with the temptations that may face us on the roads come tomorrow. We ask you to build us up and to strengthen us, dear God. To your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.